There are quite a few things, uh, church, that come to mind when you live your life, as many of you know and as I know. Uh, you'll come to uh, find out that life is full of opportunities. Life is full of opportunities. The question is, will you be a person that is able to recognize the opportunity in the moment of the opportunity, or will you be one that looks back at missed opportunities, now realizing that they were, in fact, opportunities. Another thing that you kind of realize as you live life, and, and you young men will find this out, is that opportunity often knocks in the midst of chaos. Opportunity often knocks in the midst of distractions. Most of us want to live a comfortable, stress-free life uh, where, you know, we don't have to, to worry about drama and chaos and all of those types of things, distractions. But we often, uh, we have to realize that often creativity, invention, ingenuity, success, all of these things come in the midst of madness. Come on. Uh, which leads me to believe that if disarray is the impetus for success, comfortability must be its enemy. Come on. If disarray, confusion, come on, and chaos is the impetus for success, then comfortability is its enemy. We never seem to overcome or we never seem to excel when we're comfortable. Come on. 2 Kings chapter 13. If you have your Bible, go there. And I want to talk to you this morning about these missed opportunities. 2 Kings chapter 13 is a familiar passage of Scripture to some. Some may have never seen this passage of Scripture. Some may have read it several times and may get something new out of it this morning. Amen? 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning at verse... 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version, gentlemen. And I'm going to be talking about the prophet Elisha. You may have heard that name, the prophet Elisha. He's old now, and he's about to die. Something happens. The Bible says in verse 14 that Elisha had become sick with, with the illness of which he would die. So he knew he was about to die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows, like Hawkeye. Then he, he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So then he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, open the east window, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. You must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, so he took them. And he said to the king, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. 
And the man of God was angry with him. He said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now, when reading this passage of Scripture and considering the events that unfolded uh, and the surrounding circumstances, I began to ask myself, like some of you may have, why is the prophet so angry? Why is he so angry? I mean, he, it, to me, the king did exactly what he asked him to do. I mean, after all, he didn't give him the number of arrows to shoot. He just said, take the arrows and, and shoot. That's all he said. I would think that the king did what he said to do. The only conclusion that I can come to and the, as the reason that Elisha was angry is that it would appear that King Joash somehow missed an opportunity. Somehow, some way, he missed an opportunity. By striking the ground only three times, he missed an opportunity. And Elisha pointed this out along with the missed opportunity. Now you may say, why? Again, you, as, as you just said, uh, he didn't tell him the number of arrows. But if you think about the situation, if you think about it, think if there were seven flags up here on the stage in front of the drums in a little bucket, seven flags. And I said to you, Brother James, would you grab the flags for me uh, and take them to the back? Would he grow up and grab two flags? How many flags would he get if I said, would you grab the flags for me? He would get all of them. So now when you look at it that way, it's no secret why Elisha was upset. I shouldn't have to tell I said grab the flags. Come on, parents. <laughs> well, uh, you said clean my room. That's what I did. Yes, you have all your clothes under your bed. Well, you didn't say. You just said clean the room. And, and it doesn't have to be children now. You know, Michael, I told you to uh, clean the kitchen. Well, you know, Didi, I did. You didn't sweep the floor. Well, you, I, you, you didn't say. You said the kitchen. I did the dishes. I wiped off the stove. You know good and well <laughs> that it includes all. Come on, somebody. And take the trash out. She just reminded me. The whole kitchen. <laughs> all of it. And so I want to talk to you this morning, I want to talk to you this morning very briefly about don't throw away your shot. Don't throw away your shot. Don't throw it away. Opportunity. What is opportunity? I define opportunity this way. A favorable juncture of circumstances. In other words, things line up. And it's to your favor. There's an opportunity. Now, we don't always use opportunity that way. Sometimes we use opportunity in a negative context. But do you know opportunity is not a negative context word? We just use it that way. And we know what it means. Oh, you had an opportunity to fail. But that's not really the way opportunity is used. Opportunity means a favorable outcome. So when you miss an opportunity, you missed a favorable outcome. Remember, life is full of opportunities. 
but it doesn't always come the way that we think. When there's chaos around, we miss the opportunity. But that's when the opportunity comes knocking. That's when it comes knocking. Here's what opportunity is. Opportunity, number one, it's a chance to grow. It's an opportunity to grow is what it is. It's a chance to grow. Why? Because it often happens in moments of madness. And we grow in moments of madness. Remember, everything is either a success or a chance to understand what not to do next time. Come on. It's, an, it's a chance to grow. Secondly, an opportunity is hope. An opportunity is not negative. An opportunity is hope. Why? Because it presents an expectation and a desire, a chance for something different than, or somewhere different than where you are now. I'm here, but there's an open door. There's an opportunity. There's a hope that I can step through to the next level, to some place that I'm, 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 I'm stuck here. But here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for me to go forward. Opportunity is this. I want you to think about this, gentlemen. Opportunity is a moment in time. Now, when I say that, opportunity is not just a moment in chronos time chronos time is just a straight line time moving forward 301 302 and 27 seconds 302 and 28 seconds 302 that's just that's chronos time opportunity happens in chronos time but opportunity that we're talking about also happens in kairos time we've heard that word kairos time kairos is really timeless <laughs> kairos can happen at any moment Whatever's going on, it can happen when everything is sunny. It can happen when there's 19 feet of snow. You know, it doesn't matter what the time or circumstances are around you. A Kairos moment can happen at any time. It's, it's appropriateness. It's, it's decorum. I don't even know how to explain Kairos. It's a moment. Uh, it's symmetry. It's balance. Kairos time, it, it's, it's awareness. Come on of a rhetorical situation or the circumstances of the moment that presented an opportunity, a hope, a chance to grow, a Kairos moment. It's a moment that you'll never get back. And if you don't step through the door at that Kairos moment, you will never be able to step through that door again. Now, God always gives us second chances and third chances and fifth chances and 29th chances. Of course he does. But that particular door at that particular Kairos time was for that particular moment. And we've got to be able to recognize those Kairos moments. Those are the moments that compelled Abraham Lincoln to the presidency that we don't even realize. Those are the moments that compelled Bill Gates to create Microsoft. Those are the moments. Come on. That the king had an opportunity to destroy his enemy. Kairos. What is opportunity? Here's what opportunity is. Opportunity, folks, is your shot. Opportunity is your shot. It's your shot. Don't throw away your shot. I remember, you guys might appreciate this, I remember watching an NBA All-Star game. Now, this is the game where the best players of the Eastern Conference come against the best players of the Western Conference. It used to be that way. You do it a little different now. They, 
pick teams now, but it used to be that way. So the best of the best in the world come together to play an exhibition game. Just an exhibition game. The fans pay a lot of money to see this game, and they do things they don't normally do in regular games. They do all kind of different dunks and passes and through the legs. It's, it's, it's an entertaining game. You know, and it's just an exhibition game. I remember watching a game toward the end of uh, this basketball player's career, Kobe Bryant, uh, who's one of my favorite basketball players, not necessarily one of my favorite people, but my favorite basketball player. And uh, I loved watching Kobe Bryant play. And this particular year, it was uh, Kobe Bryant was leading the Western squad. LeBron James, anybody ever heard of him? He was, yeah, I knew that one guy. He was leading the Eastern squad. Now, these two teams uh, had Kobe and LeBron had never played in an NBA final, and everybody wanted to see that, these two best players in the world. But now is an opportunity to see Kobe Bryant play against LeBron James. In this, uh, even though it's an exhibition game, it's just fun. And so as these type of games go, they come out and they do all these, you know, alley-oops and different things throughout the game. Nobody cares about the score, who's winning, and they, they, nobody plays defense and they score until the fourth quarter comes. And then when the game gets close, their pride is on the line. So each team wants to win the game. And I think this particular year, it came down to the last few seconds, Dorothy, and the Western squad led by Kobe Bryant was leading 151 to 149. Outrageous numbers for a game. 151 to 149. You might remember this game. I don't know if you do or not. And uh, so it's down to the last second, and now the Eastern Conference has the ball. So that's led by LeBron James. So everybody knows what's going to happen. LeBron James is going to get the ball. So LeBron James gets the ball, and it's coming down 10, 9, 8. Seven, you know, just like you do in your backyard. And he's dribbling the ball, and Kobe Bryant's on him. Kobe Bryant's against LeBron James. This is it, you know. And it comes down three, and it gets to three seconds, and LeBron goes up like he's going to shoot, but then he passes it to another player. The other player shoots and misses, and the West wins. Something very interesting. Now, LeBron James was touted to be the best player in the world at this time because Kobe was at the end of his career. He's on his way down. LeBron's coming up. But not just missing the shot or not taking the shot. Don't throw away your shot. But it wasn't just that. Something interesting to me happened. Kobe went up to LeBron and got in his face and started yelling at him. And he said, you take the shot. It's your team. It's your moment. You take the shot. I don't care who you're playing against. I don't care if it's Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal. You are LeBron James. Whether you make it or miss it is not the, the question. But the question is, you take the shot. You take the shot. And I believe there are moments in our life where God is saying, Chris and Nathan, you take the shot. This is your time. You take the shot. Because the greater is he that is in you, than he that is in the world. There are moments in our life where God doesn't want us to defer with false humility. Come on. I mean, if you have the gift, then he's asking you to do it. But because of self-esteem, because of fear, I believe the king here had a fear 
because the prophet was dying and to him all of the power of Israel was dying with him. He was the prophet who gave us all the words. Now what am I going to do? I don't want to waste all my arrows. I better keep a few. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The prophet said, grab the arrows. Grab the arrows and shoot and strike with all your might. Everything you do, do it with all of your might and with everything that you have. But we're so afraid to lose. And I believe that God is saying, don't worry about winning or losing. What I want is your obedience. I want your obedience. Here's what happened. You got to understand your shot. Here's what happened. The king followed Elisha. He did follow him, but he followed him out of fear and not faith. And so I want to tell you this morning, follow God out of faith and not fear. Don't follow God out of fear. You see, Joash didn't react in faith as Elisha wanted him to react. He reacted in fear. And that's, that's what really angered Elisha. God is on your side. I've given you the word and you're still shrinking back. That's what angered him. When the king was instructed to strike the ground, he wasn't told how many times, but he was told to take them all and strike the ground. And again, you might say, no, Elisha didn't tell him, but he said, grab them, grab them, grab them all and strike the ground. We see why the old dying prophet was angry. Joash only shot three times. Here's what it is. He wasn't giving his best shot. A little bit less than my best is less than my best. A little bit less than my best is less than my best. Jesus wrapped himself in flesh and came to earth and died on the cross. He didn't even give a little bit less than his best. The song says Jesus paid what, half? Jesus paid it all. All of, He didn't put something on it. Well, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot of sin. I mean, I could put something on it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Jesus paid it all. Come on, somebody. He paid it all. And so this is a reminder to me of how important it is to see what God is looking for behind what he is asking. What is he really looking for? Is he looking for you to succeed? He's really looking for you to be obedient. Remember that. And I'm going to put this out there. God tests our faith, not our ability to mimic. Here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes God gives me direction, not so much because he wants me to arrive at a particular destination, but for the reason of testing my heart to see if I'll give him my best effort and unreserved faith to do what he's asked me to do. You see, we, we worry so much about the results. We know that God is unconventional. I remember one man had leprosy. And he said, I know God can heal me. He called for the prophet. The prophet said, well, uh, tell him. He didn't even come to him. He said, tell him to go, uh, you know, duck down seven times in the river. What? Man, I'm about to die of leprosy. I need you to come out here and lay hands on me, start praying, speaking in tongues, doing something, and you tell me go jump in the lake. 
go jump in the lake. And not only, not only jump in the lake, jump in the lake seven times. God is unconventional. One time, Jesus, a man was blind. Jesus got down on the ground, spit on the ground. That's just nasty. Come on. And he made a little mud pile there, wiped it on his eyes. And now all of a sudden, the man could see. God is unconventional. I remember one time there was a wedding. Y'all remember this? Remember they had that wedding? And then they ran out of wine. Go fill the water pots. <laughs> not, not the drinking water pots. The, the pots that you wash your feet with. That's the water. Go fill those water pots up. And when you do that, you'll have wine. Well, I remember one other time. There's a lot of times, but I remember one other time. Man, these people was hungry. I mean, there was about 15,000 people out there, and they was hungry. And they was a long way from Arby's, Mickey D's. They wasn't, wasn't close. And uh, they was hungry. And all they had was, what was it, a fish? A couple? How many? Five loaves? Jesus broke it, gave it away. When he gave it away, Jesus is unconventional. He's unconventional. He, he's not looking for you to mimic what someone else did. Do it their way. He, he tests your faith. Not your ability to mimic. We, 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 will I believe an act because of obedience? Or will I please God by acting in faith? Will I believe for his best and give everything? Or will I move out of fear just in case it doesn't work? And so, lastly, an opportunity is for a bigger purpose. This is really what we have to, this will help us. An opportunity is for a bigger purpose. You see, we often forget that when God speaks or presents an opportunity, he always reveals what he is going to do. Come on. Not just what he wants us to do. He always reveals there's something bigger. He only requires your faith, your belief in him, so that he can work through us. Our problem is uh, we feel like we believe little because we've seen little. But I would submit to you that we've seen little. Come on. It's the other way around. <laughs> we think, well, I don't believe that much because I really ain't, you ain't showed me much. And God's saying, you haven't seen much because you don't believe very much. Come on. I created the universe. <laughs> I made stars. I breathed. Stars came out. You only breathing because I breathed breath in your body. Because God can say to you, tell me how your heart works. Tell me how it works. Why is it still beating? Tell me. Come on, it's not plugged up to uh, electricity. Why, why is it still beating? Come on. You got a reserve battery? What you got? You got one of the phones you just touch right here and it charges you back up? Why is your heart still beating? You don't know. Talk to Job. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you that God gave him some answers. <laughs> Take advantage of an opportunity of a lifetime in the lifetime of the opportunity. This is what we're talking about with this Kairos moment, guys. This is what I want you to take away. As opportunities present themselves, if you miss, here, let me say this. If you miss something, it is not the end of the world. Uh, none of us will be here. None of us, as you look out there, look out there for a moment. You look out there, not one of us would be here if, if, if the case were, do you miss one opportunity, it's over. Come on. So it's not over. But how much further could you be if you take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime? Because opportunities have a lifetime.
Danger arises when our efforts veer away from the Lord, gentlemen. As we immerse ourselves in academic pursuits and career goals and life accomplishments, we must always, always keep at the forefront of our minds not only uh, what we study and what we do and what we accomplish, but for whom we are accomplishing it. Paul says this, and I'll leave you with this, these two scriptures. Paul said in Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And lastly, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whenever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God.